let's just jump right into it. So I kind of wanted to start us out, bring back an old segment that we haven't gone to a while, the tinfoil hat segment. Oh, I'm all about it's it. It's been, been a, a minute. It's been too long. It has been too I've long. I've still been waiting for the merch. Oh, that's why I'm bringing it back because okay. I want the merch, actually. Yeah, so let's, let's bring, bring it back. back. So have you guys heard this concept of, have you seen the movie The Matrix? Yeah, of course. Kind of, you know, kind of there's this whole talking point around are we living in a matrix? Kind of like outside of the faith culture, you know, are we in a situation where, you know, our nine to five job, our buying houses we can't afford, you know, credit card loans, all this is like part of the matrix. And I was kind of curious what your thoughts on that are. Are people living in the matrix? Yeah, basically what you're saying is that it's kind of muting our lives. Mm -hmm. We're not fully awake to what is possible, even how the world works. Mm -hmm. And basically these systems and structures are keeping us from really knowing the truth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting. Look, I think some people are plugged in mm-hmm. for sure. I think that uh, not virtually into a, an actual matrix, but I think the way that they're living is certainly a, a matrix-centric life. Um, if you're not doing something that you're passionate about, you know, when I, when I apply a kingdom perspective, work is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Work is a gift. The fact that we get to work, that we get to use our skills, we get to use the the craft and the nature of what God's put within us to build, to, you know, there's a famous um, quote by by David Sachs where he says, you can only live on a yacht for a year. Okay? Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, because everyone's trying to work to not work. Yeah. And then you go, you don't work and all these wealthy people who make it rich, whether it's in the dot-com era or whatever they, they you know, had an exit from and then they go, I'm just going to live on a yacht. Well, after a year, it gets kind of boring. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so many things you can do. Mm-hmm. And then they end up just going and doing work because they realize work actually is just, a, a, it's, a, it's a value to have as a worker to be able to produce something. But it's, it's also something that gives you mission and purpose mm-hmm. that you are working to build or you're working towards something. You're contributing to society. And I think that if if that is the orientation of your work, you're going to have so much enjoyment. I always tell people, you know, do something that you uh, get out of bed for before your alarm. Mm, That you're almost like, man, let me at it. Uh, I can't wait to get up. Mm -hmm. But sure, if you're hitting snooze three times on your alarm and you're dreading Monday coming and Mm -hmm. maybe there's a good indication to reorient your life. (laughs) <laughs> and get out of the matrix. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I'm actually that disciplined. I'm just really excited. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I'm excited to get up. Yeah. I'm excited to tackle right. the day. Right. Because, you know, when you, when you ever talk to a, a successful founder, business person, they inevitably will say, most often than not, they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm an early riser. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. I agree with that. I don't know if it is so much discipline. Right. As like I don't love the process of waking up by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But maybe it is that they're just very excited to get up and get started on what they're tackling that day. Um, so in answer to your question, I do think the Matrix is such a great movie because the concept people could relate to, uh, that they were caught in a system. Um, and I think the reality is philosophically, I think there is a matrix for many. Yeah, no, I think this is great because this is actually tying into where I wanted to chat about today, which is innovators. Like, what is an innovator? And like, kind of how you define that? Because a lot of what I've talked to with some of my friends, I'm coming from the background of like, I'm an IC, I'm a builder. Um, I'm not really in the, the shape of, or like, I haven't really founded any companies or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I've had that mindset of wanting to do that. Um, but a lot of my friends that are kind of in this space, still in like the IC role, we kind of talk about this idea of breaking out of the matrix and being your own boss mm. and taking that break. But it's interesting that you guys kind of talk about um, how it's not a matter of, you know, you breaking out and becoming an entrepreneur. You can be a builder, but if you're excited about what you're doing, yes. you can kind of still do that. So I kind of wanted to contrast the two. Do you think everybody's meant to be an innovator or there are builders and there are innovators and there are like two separate categories that everybody's in? I think everyone has the potential to be an innovator. For sure. Whether you're an individual contributor, you can still be an uh, entrepreneur, Mm. You know, yes. within the organization, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to be an entrepreneur, uh, meaning that I'm taking all the risk to go out and start something from nothing. Uh, I think within an organization, if there is the scope for you to be creative and try stuff at the same time on the the difference is on an entrepreneur level, you have to earn your stripes to get that ability mm-hmm. yep. to get the privilege to be able to take risks and try stuff and go off script within, you know, the the I guess the product that you're actually building uh, that. You have to earn that, okay? You, you can't expect just to start a company and then get that, that mm-hmm. availability. So you have to prove something, you have to add value. As an entrepreneur, 
you're pretty much just going to show value as you go. But all the risk is pretty much on you. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think innovation isn't just through starting something. I think innovation comes through enhancing something as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, I think, you know, I got a couple thoughts here on the entrepreneur side of things. When you think about the matrix, uh, unplugging from the matrix, there's a sense of uh, desiring freedom, mm -hmm. right? To burst anybody's bubble, when you become an entrepreneur, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean you're quote unquote free. Right. You just have a new boss, mm -hmm. whether that's your board or if you're bootstrapping a company, it's your customers, mm -hmm. it's your partners, investors. Right? investors. And so you always have a boss. Mm -hmm. Okay. You always report to somebody, you're always accountable to something if you want to do something significant, mm -hmm. right? If you're just kind of making enough money just so that you can eat, may maybe, yeah, you have true freedom, but that you're not doing anything significant. Um, in addition to that, I would ask, go as far to say is that. If you are a Christian, you have a responsibility to be an innovator. Mm. I actually believe that uh, the people that first revealed Jesus as king were innovators, mm -hmm. right? The Bible says they were wise men. Mm -hmm. uh, these wise men, if you dig a little deeper, they were the magi. Mm -hmm. uh, they were learned men. They were people that would have been professors at Harvard and, and Stanford. These people were studiers of the stars. Mm -hmm. They worship fire because of its utility and its technological innovative value, mm -hmm. right? These people were considered king makers. They would be in the cabinets of empires like the Persian empire and a ruler couldn't get into their reign unless they went through the Magi. And right. these are the people that actually through their pursuit of science, technology, math, through these different pursuits of innovating, God used innovators mm. to actually reveal Jesus as king for the very first time. And so that's a very meta way to say, I have a big passion um, for really encouraging and stoking the fire in people of like, if they're questioning, am I called to be mm. an innovator? Like Pastor Adam says, I think everybody has a potential. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like we learned this past Sunday, right? Uh, will you apply mm. <laughs> that potential? Right. right. I think it's it's a, a really good way to, to view it. Wasn't Daniel one of the Magi? Is yeah, he... so Daniel was the master of the Magi 500 years before That's this right. Magi people uh, actually revealed Jesus. And the significance behind that is that because Daniel was so bold about his faith, God elevated him to the cabinet of the king of that day in Babylon. That's right. And the Bible actually indicates that he became the master of the Magi. And so my culling commentary on this is that I, I would assume that if he's talking to Magi, teaching Magi, he's a master of the Magi, he's probably telling them about the prophecies of the Messiah Correct. to come. Mm -hmm. And that's why actually 500 years later, the wise men or the, the Magi people even have an inclination that, oh, we're studies of the stars and this star just suspended just over appeared. Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, maybe we should go and check out what's happening there. Right, yeah. exactly, because it was foretold. But, you know, I think even in the in the narrative, right, of, um, okay, innovation, uh, you know, with when you're talking about the fact that am I, am I in the matrix or am I out of the matrix because I'm innovating? Mm -hmm. mm. I, I don't think that necessarily everyone's going to have the privilege just to quit their job no. mm -hmm. and become an innovator because yeah. no. we might have – you know, people working in a building industry, they may be working factory. There, there may be a very much a nine to five that True. because of the stage of life, Good point. I got to do yeah. it. So maybe within your work frame, uh, your, your framework of, of your career, your job, there may not be much room for innovation. True. But this is the perfect uh, time for a side hustle. Mm. This is the, the perfect oh, yeah. time to get through to get to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a healthy mindset for people. What do I have to get through so I can get to? Wow. That that wow. that will push me through the day so so I can do a good job here to get to my after hours project that I'm really excited to get to. But I, I know I've got to get through something to get to that. Yeah, that's really, really, really powerful stuff. That's really good. And I actually just want to like circle back to something you guys were talking about. Everybody has a potential to be an innovator. You guys are part of the best fund. You guys give the first check-in to a lot of founders who are innovators. What are some of the core traits you can see across all the founders or innovators that you know you feel like are the ones that take off? Yeah, I think it's been refined actually over the past year. Uh, we've had a lot of wins. We've learned a lot of lessons. I would say that what I'm realizing, especially in the environment that we're in right now, is the proof is in the pudding mm -hmm. a little bit. I think I'm leaning a lot more than I probably ever have into traction, proof points, maybe not even in the current idea, but what have you done before? Mm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. how, how can I have a proof point that's a proxy that you'll be successful again mm -hmm. in the future? It doesn't have to be even directly correlated, 
but I'm starting to triage a lot more things. Okay, mm. what other things are you involved in? What other things have you led? Mm. What other things have you done, even if you've never started a company, within the companies that you've been a part of or within the church or within the ministry or within uh, the, the nonprofit organization have you been a part of that has done something significant that, that looks like innovation, mm. that, that feels like entrepreneurship, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that feels like, oh, you're actually a prolific problem solver. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, on a no budget, on a dream, you made something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm trying to detect that a lot better. Um, I, I think if I was honest, I would be more enamored uh, before maybe a little bit too much on the idea mm-hmm. itself, which I think is still important. Mm-hmm. I think idea and market is still very important. So not to diminish how important that is, but um, increasing the investigation on the actual founders, not even characteristics but proof points okay. of being able to to get something done yeah yeah i agree I, I don't think we really as vince said we really do care about uh the market size we do care about the the idea the product uh notion but we've got a pretty good sense like just by telling us quickly uh about the idea we could get a good sense on the market size on things so what we're looking for is some unique characteristics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we always look for is chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, as, a, as an investor, we're, we're looking for, you know, sometimes we're taking board seats. So we're going to have a lot of interactions in the early days of the founder. I think an early stage uh, founder and investment relationship is much uh, more integrated than a late stage founder and investor. Oh, At yeah, a late stage, it's sure. just throw money and then you know bring us back profit. Mm-hmm. In the early stage, we're actually helping you shape your product. We're mm-hmm. actually very invested in making connections and uh, helping you win and strategize. And so a big part of it is we want to know uh, is there chemistry? Are we looking forward to you know mm. conversation? Are we looking forward to uh, interacting? Because for us, it's also a consideration. Man, we're going to be doing this for the next few years. Yeah. So that's so going to be true. a lot of time spent together. Yeah. Um, is this person just going to be really difficult to work with, yeah. even if their idea is good? Yeah. And so, Brilliant. and I mean, like, because this is this is the chemistry that we've been able to build. We, we like hanging out. We like talking. It's mm-hmm. refreshing. So it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. So good. You know, and if something is going to feel laborsome mm-hmm. and tough work, man, I'm going to tell you, maybe maybe put your investment somewhere else hmm. because you you don't have enough bandwidth for, for things to drain from you. If you want to get out of the matrix and you want to be excited about going to work, what are the pain points you're going to have to deal with? If it's a person, change that mm-hmm. because I don't have to deal with painful people. Yeah. So I need, I need things in my world that's going to be very attractional to work with and work through problem solvers, uh, people that are going to pivot. If someone's going to be a wet blanket, Right, so so I'm so say we true. invest in a founder, yeah. My goodness. And every time that founder comes with a report, it's like, man, this is so hard. And we're like trying to talk them into not quitting because right. now we've made this investment in them, and mm-hmm. we're freaking out because we're like, man, you you're not going to bail, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the worst. Like that that concept would be terrible. Right. We almost and we say this. We've said said this for years. There's two types of horses in a race. One you have to whip to get going. And one, you have to pull the reins to mm-hmm. pull them back. Yeah. We, we'd rather pull on the reins. Yeah. We'd rather someone so motiva- motivated that we're like, whoa, let's just, let's just slow this down right. rather than, man, could you get moving? Mm-hmm. And so they're the kind of attributes that we're looking for. Oh, that's so good because you can't teach that. You can't teach you passion. You can't teach that. that you, have to, you either have that or you don't, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm convinced you can't. You can't, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and passion presents differently. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're passionate at the beginning, but do they have the mm. ongoing passion to, to keep it going? Mm-hmm. Uh, so are they self-passionate or are they passionate about something? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so you know, they may be passionate in this season, but that that passion come because someone gave them an opportunity or did they self-generate that passion? Yeah. And actually, um, I just wanted to speak to all the, the future innovators out there, the ones yeah. that don't have the proof point maybe, the ones that are kind of figuring out how do I go from you know this, these ideas that are in my head to actually putting into practice. So um, for both of you guys, what was that step for you when you went from maybe you were just an IC or a builder into, okay, now I'm going to you know become a visionary or maybe that was just always in you and you were always like that. But what was that kind of yeah. transition? Yeah, I mean, I have two like incredible examples mm-hmm. I've been privileged to be a part of. Obviously, Vive is mm-hmm. a very entrepreneurial endeavor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim and I being able to be part of Pastor Adam and Kira's vision back in 2011, 2012 um, and still today, 
remaining and, and seeing this church grow and thrive. That's a huge example that I use. Uh, it's a great proxy. It's mm-hmm. not a for-profit company. It's a nonprofit entity organization. It's a church. It's, it's a charitable organization, but it has the dynamics and the ingredients of what a startup is like, mm-hmm. right? Um, if anything, in a lot of ways, uh, it's harder uh, because you don't have equity to mm-hmm. give to staff Mm -hmm. (laughs) to motivate them. You have to actually be a good leader, (laughs) you know? And so you you can always play it in your favor, right? Um, I also think that uh, vocationally in the past being in tech, right? My experience in Google is actually not that helpful when Mm. it comes to startups because you're more of like a a small cog in a big machine. Mm. Although I leverage it, I I do think getting into companies like that is still a signal. Mm -hmm. What's actually more impressive when I'm raising money is when I talk about my experience at this company called Adara, which was I joined in at employee number 20 and um, I was the first product hire. So I essentially led product for the time that I was there. And when I joined, there were 2 million in revenue. Um, and when I kind of left full time, uh, they got to a hundred million in, in gross revenue. Uh-huh. Right. And so that wasn't all me, right. but, uh, being able to piggyback off of that experience, um, really provided a, a lot of people, uh, to increase their credibility, um, in, in my ability to, to be able to build. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you are, you don't have any proof in, in building something from, from zero to one yet, just honor this current season that you're in. Mm. Like I wasn't thinking when we were bumping in for Vive and you know when Pastor Adam would send us to another location and things like that. I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to use this for my resume to start right. a company right. one day. I'm just like trying to be faithful and do the best that I can do in the season that I'm at and steward what I have well, mm. right? And, and I feel like some people lose the art of that. Definitely. They're so fixated on what's next. They're not honoring what's now. Mm-hmm. And mm. I do think there's a principle in there where a lot of our responsibility is actually just honoring what's in front of us. Yeah. Well, having a vision, mm-hmm. but but first honoring what's right in front of you. Definitely. Yeah, I think you can't plan every step, right? If you're looking at every move to build a resume, you might miss the surprise season that actually was one of the most beneficial elements to your you know your breakout moment or what you learned, right? Uh, you know what we've learned through building the church at a diligence has been. It's literally been the best leadership lessons. Oh, yeah. Because mm. I I always say that, you know, really true leadership happens in a volunteer environment. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, it's hard, you know, when people tell me, you know, I'm in a leadership role in my, my workplace. I kind of chuckle because I'm like, well, that's a pseudo leadership mm-hmm. because – you know, if you stop paying them, will they come? And will they do what you, you know, <laughs> ask them to do? And the answer is no. So, so you're leveraged your leadership mm-hmm. uh, more than, uh, you know, just done a great model to follow. So, yeah, I think, I think, you know, just putting your hand to work in a diversity of areas, I think volunteering is a huge aspect of growing for the, for the future founder. Yeah, no, let's, let's talk about that. Like you said, the best job you can do right now if you're not in that leadership position is to be like the best follower right some of the best followers mm. can be the best yes. leaders yes and like you guys have talked about this as you were building the church early you didn't go out and recruit like a bunch of other outside people you kind of try to find the talent on the inside so like talk about that talk about finding the best followers that can then become the best leaders yeah i think that's a, a really good way to put it is that you are you are you're building from within right and so you're trying to really put uh tasks ahead of people you're you're trying to give responsibility and see who can rise up under the weight so if they so what we're looking for is weight bearers weight carriers who can carry the weight and and actually uh you know take on more and then who can distribute that weight and there's a natural leadership because there is a recruiting to a cause Mm -hmm. and so and so in the early days uh when we're forming uh the church when we met uh, Vance and Kim, there was obviously a uh, though we you guys were very young, like you guys were 20, fresh, twenty two, out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, but in many ways, there was an appetite for excellence mm-hmm. that when we when we used language, and so it was the vision of what wasn't a reality, but what we're looking to build. And it was different words that resonated with them when we talked about, hey, we want to build with excellence. We want to. We yeah. want to do something so well that it actually resonates with people and that, you know, we want authenticity. And all these words that were shaping mm. what Vive is today, we spoke back then. Mm-hmm. And that was enough for them to go, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do it. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even the, the ministry in practice. In fact, they signed up before I even preached one sermon. Yeah. Wow. 
they, we hadn't even, I hadn't even preached. They hadn't heard me preach. It's true. What was it, Pastor Vance? What was, what was uh, what made you do it? Yeah, I mean, crazy. Um, when 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 we when we initially met, obviously Pastor Adam just said it a little bit earlier. There was a lot of initial chemistry. Obviously, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know Pastor Adam uh, and Kira, and you become fast friends with them mm-hmm. uh, right away. Very personable, um, and so that, that's a big dynamic. By the way, if you're a leader maybe try to be a likable leader. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like don't That's hide behind, yeah. I'm an introvert. No, 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 be an extrovert. Right. <laughs> like yeah. it's attractional. Yeah. Um, at least Wait, for- Wait, can I pause you there for yeah, one yeah, second? Because yeah. Aaron Rodgers talked about this when he went from the Packers to the Jets. And he said, it's better to be respected first than to be liked first. So I'm just curious, do you think it's better to be liked first and then respected? Or do you think you have to well, earn respect that respect? takes time. Mm-hmm. Like is one meeting. Interesting, okay. Like I, I, it's hard to be respected after one meeting. Right. But I can be liked after one meeting. But do you think it's hard to try and earn that respect if you're so worried about being liked first? I don't think be worried about being liked. Be true to your nature. I think you're talking about be true to who you are. Okay, cool. Don't just yeah. put on likability mm-hmm. and then be a pretend person. Okay. But I think what respect grows over time. Okay. So there is more respect after 10 years, hopefully, mm-hmm. than after one year, after one week. Yeah, I think it's a false polarity, right? I don't, I don't think they're actually at odds. Mm-hmm. I think you want both. Yeah. Um, in saying that too, uh, because respect will take a long time, because it's going to take reps mm-hmm. and it's going to take experience with one another, you, you really can't get that initially. And so especially if you're going to start a company, okay, startup church, startup company, uh, a lot of times you, you get seed round of funding or you have limited runway with bootstrap funds you got to get people to, to like you mm-hmm. pretty quickly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know? And so there, there's an art of being a winsome person, not yeah. being fake, yeah. but being a winsome person mm-hmm. and putting your best self on and, and, and I'd be like, well, this is just the authentic uh, yeah, I me. Think, I think <laughs> you know Aaron I mean? Rodgers yeah. is like coming from a position of being so well known for yeah. what he's already done. Yeah. Like, yeah. sure, hey, hey, win respect first. <laughs> well, but you, everyone knows your name. Yeah. Everyone knows what you've done. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a nobody... And you're exactly. trying to build respect with people. Well, how do you get that unless you're known? Mm-hmm. And so to be to endure the journey of being known, you have to be likable. Otherwise, you don't even get past the first meeting. Yeah. yeah. And so chemistry was big, right? The yeah. first three hours, we were just hanging out. We were riding Google bikes. You know, That's right. uh, they're in long tees, skinny jeans. Pastor doesn't wear skinny jeans anymore. No, I'm, I'm, I've gone for the comfy <laughs> jeans. Like we're, you were in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was before skinny jeans were in, in the US yet. So we were like, right. what is going on? This is weird, but I like it. Um, and so, so we're hanging out. And then we end up at a, a Thai restaurant. And I would say the second component was vision. Right, yeah. and so I think this is underestimated with founders and leaders. They they waffle around yeah. what they're doing, and sometimes they're too verbose. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually haven't practiced the art of pitching their vision. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And, and it doesn't have to be something crazy. You don't have to go to like vision pitching school. But how many times have you talked about it with your spouse? Mm-hmm. How many times have you talked about it with? Uh, your former boss or a colleague or a peer or a friend? Have you refined it? Mm-hmm. Right. I could tell that that wasn't the first time Pastor Adam had shared the vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would have broken it down like that because I was 22 and pretty naive. <laughs> but right. hindsight's 2020. Yeah. remembering it, uh, I got the sense that, wow, what a vision, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the language that we use today at Vibe. Yeah. You know, what, what if the Silicon Valley was known not just for technology, right? The place that is influencing the world with products like the iPhone, the iPad, yeah. uh, with companies like Facebook and Google that are headquartered here, influencing billions of people. What if that place wasn't just known for technology and innovation, but was known for a move of God? Yeah. What if we can create a church that attracts those people that work at those companies? And could they be awakened to the reality of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And could- He still remembers the vision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and could when they were awakened to the reality, of Jesus have a deeper purpose to the products that they were building? Mm-hmm. And could we actually shape those products with deeper principles that are founded in the Bible and actually change the world? And mm. we're just eating pad thai and we're like, wow, like that sounds yeah. super cool. And so I would say vision was was really compelling because they had an articulation around it. You could so can actually- I, Can yeah. I say this? Because you know, you're right. It wasn't the first time we'd shared the vision and that's pretty impressive that you still remember those elements. But um, you know, it was, it was the first time we'd we'd shared it that way. Right. Meaning when it comes to writing a vision for your company that you're trying to pitch, make sure it's dynamic. Mm. It can't be a static vision. Mm -hmm. It can't be just a repeated vision statement 
that is void from what's in the room. Mm. Because we had shared it to investors from Australia. We had shared it with family. And now we were sharing it with potential people that were a part of it. Mm -hmm. So it had to go from a can you see it to making it personal for them in it. Mm -hmm. And so I think a vision, one of the biggest keys to casting a vision is make it dynamic to the room that you're in. Mm. Yeah. And so the third component I would say, this grew in time, right, uh, was credibility Mm. and flurry of activity. What I mean by that is... Uh, based on chemistry and vision, we said yes when they mm-hmm. asked us to join the team, right? And that yes, we didn't really understand the magnitude of that because we never started a yeah. church. So it's kind of like a naive yes. With the Neither had mu- we. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. So where does the credibility exactly. come in? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah, with a mustard seed level faith, right? right? Yeah. Uh, I think the Bible talks about that. But, you know, um, in getting going, I would say the third pillar that really took a seed into sprouting into fruit and momentum and things like that was the credibility that preceded them. What I mean by that was they had uh, their family yeah. um, mm-hmm. fly in, help them kind of move into the rental house that that they were going and, and meeting their family and their parents and like, oh, okay, wow, this is a great family. And then uh, they had, uh, you know, people that were part of their youth ministry fly in mm-hmm. to yep. visit. And then sitting across the dinner table and hearing crazy stories about youth ministry over the past 10 years mm-hmm. and the revivals that they've seen and the the trips that they've done and the people that they've seen saved and, and things like that. And, and then you had another uh, kind of kingdom builder type person donate $80,000 worth of sound equipment and things like that. That was 10 years of a previous season mm. that was showing to Kim and I, oh, I'm so glad we said yes. Mm. I didn't even realize, but actually there's some legs to this thing, mm-hmm. Yeah. right? There, There's people from their past that's validating the future, mm-hmm. right? And so there's this thing about like the art of back channeling, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? I, I don't think that people realize from a very tactical level, what I did at Overflow is I would look at mutual, here's a pro tip. I would look at mutual connections, right? Mm. Mutual connections with people I'm pitching, VCs that I'm pitching on LinkedIn. And I would ask that mutual connection that knew me, that could advocate for me, hey, can you text mm. that person? Mm-hmm. I just pitched them mm-hmm. and advocate for me. And they, hey, I heard you just met with Vance. He's the best. I'm actually in the pre-seed round. You got to get in and all that type of stuff, right? And then what I would do, actually, here's another pro tip. Man, this is this is insider yeah, gold yeah. right here. Yeah. Uh, I would put a retargeting pixel on the overflow.co website. Mm. And so literally there was an ad that would follow the investors, because they look at our website mm-hmm. to research the company. And I cookied them, and there would be an ad on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook that would follow them nice. everywhere that they went. Nice. So psychologically, like, oh, man. Yeah. Overflows or, everywhere. Yeah. Overflows everywhere. It's huge. Yeah. I need to get in. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so uh, th- there's, this, there's these tactics that help um, frame, um, and it's not manipulation. What I'm saying is it's momentum. It is can you create... Um, a flurry of activity. And, and you can't sometimes if you haven't honored the previous season, by the Correct. way. Correct. Mm. <laughs> right? But if you have, yeah. and, and you have some credit in the bank mm-hmm. with some people and, and with you your past, channel. you can use that to your leverage for momentum into the future. So, so I'd say those are some of the components, if I remember it right. That's how. So good. Yeah, I want to talk about just hearing you like pitch the vision that he shared with you. I think a lot of times, like the founders or people that I, I, I hear about that are starting companies, a lot of it is, it's their idea and they're just trying to share that with other people, but not to share to be in that idea with them. And I think for you, it was, you shared the vision and now that vision has also become Pastor Vance's. So it's like, not just your vision, it's his vision now. And then the next person that he pitches, it's their vision. Ooh, good insight. It's like, how did you kind of go about that? So it's not just you're sharing your vision, but it's bringing them into that vision with you. Well, that's what I was saying about the vision being dynamic, right? Mm. So when I'm in Australia and I'm trying to uh, raise money from people to send us, I'm I'm giving them a picture of what we're going to do for, for us. Mm-hmm. So could you do this? When I'm pitching at events and Kim, I'm saying, imagine if we. So the language is inclusive. That's huge. I'm saying, imagine if we affected the CEOs in the, in the Silicon Valley. Imagine if we. So everything is not just support me and my ministry. It was like, we could do this. So I'm trying to get them to start seeing themselves having that effect. Mm-hmm. And then that turn around and then gives them permission to, to, to use that language. Imagine if we, to mm. somebody else. So now we're bringing people into the picture rather than what I was doing in Australia was more about, can you see me mm-hmm. going and doing this, right? Yeah. 
And, uh, and so it's just knowing the dynamics of what we're doing and shaping your language so that people can find their fit in that vision. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to give them a vision of what will be, so not good. yet, but can you see it? Yeah. yeah, the vision, you have to be a picture painter. Yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah. Is, is, and if you're really good, um, you know, like Pastor Adam is, invite the other person to start kind of painting with Color you with it, yeah. A little bit, right? And so you put the framework, you put the infrastructure of, hey, imagine, mm-hmm. imagine a world. Right. Uh, imagine a Silicon Valley. Imagine a Bay Area. That. Right. Mm. And, and then when you can get somebody to get out of their seat or stand, sit up in their seat and, and lean in and, mm-hmm. and they want to contribute to it, you got something. Right. Yeah. So so vision is is being a picture painter. And then I would say mission when you're really good. Right. Is is um, creating a language that becomes a mind virus. So, for example, uh, so that people would be awakened to the reality of Jesus, right? And we've added on to that over the years and bringing heaven down to earth. But originally it was so that people would be awakened to the reality of Jesus. We said that oh, so many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every team meeting, every service, 10 times we would do videos, creative videos uh, and end it with that mission statement. Mm-hmm. We would just make excuses of ways that we can introduce the mission statement. So... So that anybody in the organization could repeat it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it. It becomes like a mind virus, right? Like overflow to inspire the world to give, mm-hmm. right? It, it's, it's so simple, but it's so compelling. Yep. So when you get really good and you can really craft articulation, it's really powerful because when people can remember it and say it verbatim, exactly how you framed it, yep. then all of a sudden it's top of mind for people and they're looking for excuses to help you win. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In that mission, right? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, I think for the, um, like for the hype network, the hype pod, I think a lot of the mission that I see it having is how do we find a lot of founders that can come in and build with kingdom principles, right? Um, and there's this book out there that was recommended to me. It's called The End of Reality, How Four Billionaires Are Selling a Fantasy Future of the Metaverse, Mars, and Crypto. And so this is about like the four billionaires that are kind of controlling wow. a lot of our um, you know, major tech. And it's like Peter Thiel, um, yep. Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and Mark Andreessen. And it's this whole idea of how they're shaping the future for us. Um, and, and it's this idea that they think it's all about the future generations. We can kind of ignore some of the problems now and build a world for the future generations. Um, but what I think is really interesting is how you said there's so much that's coming out of the Silicon Valley. But what if we had a network of people that are now with kingdom principle, principles changing how the world is shaped? Wow. Right. So if you had to go speak to these people that are you know, kind of out there thinking of new ideas, what would you say to kind of inspire them? Speak to the four billionaires or speak oh, yeah. to... I mean, uh, I don't know if you can change their mind. Yeah. They're trying to change our mind, but... To the builders out there, yeah. Uh, to the future builders, um, I, I think. I think the the. I think what we've got to realize is these guys are living in a in many ways, uh, living in a false reality. Mm. Okay, the four billionaires are living in a false reality. They they're not grounded on Earth. Mm. Okay, which is okay because they're in the process developing some great utilities mm-hmm. for us to use. Yeah, Starlink. And so yeah. we we're really Tesla. we're yeah we're really happy with them being out there in that weird space. But are they? Uh, are, is their lofty ideas useful? Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's definitely pushing the envelope forward. I think if I was to talk to uh, a lot of founders right now, I'm looking for them to, in many ways, uh, instead of just looking what will break the system or what will do something, I think you're thinking down the wrong line. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to think what are you passionate about? Good. Because these four billionaires... I don't know if they're thinking what would break the system. I just think that's true to their personality. Yeah. That they love space or they love the metaverse. It's true to who they are. Mm-hmm. And mm. what they've been passionate about is produced wealth. Mm. It's produced following, mm-hmm. support. They've been so convicted that along the way they've actually done both. They've been able to produce people to believe in it, to help fund it, or they've been so successful at what they've done because they've had a deep conviction around it. So I think conviction is is critical. I mean, this is oh, innovation is so attractive yeah. when you talk about innovation oh, yeah. and we're drawing the in. But I got to tell you, let me put a very big warning. It is so hard. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! It is very very difficult. And when you start a company, guess what? It's the most thrilling, 
and terrifying thing all wrapped up in one because now it's your identity wrapped up in this. There mm. is, you're going to question your capability. It's going to push you to your limit. If you're doing it right, mm-hmm. it's going to test your mettle. It's actually building a company is actually more about building you. Mm. So the process of building a company or an org or a team, you're actually refining and defining who you are and it's going to it's gonna have chaos moments, it's going to have joyful moments, it's going to have all of the emotions, but you're maturing through the process. That's why a you know uh, it's easier to put funding behind a seasoned builder because they've already been through all those emotions oh, yeah. and they made it through. Mm-hmm. What we're what you're trying to do is you've got to be prepared that, man, this is actually going to test everything. So I better have at the core a deep conviction that this is what I want to build. Has passion always allowed you to push through seasons that maybe have attacked your energy or obstacles that have seemed insurmountable? Has, has passion um, enabled you to always push through? I mean, let's just put it in the Vibe Church context over the last 11, 12 years would you say passion, that ingredient has been critical and maybe one of the primary? I'd say it's one of the primaries. Okay. Um, I think conviction is the core okay. that God's called me. Mm. So there has been many times where, mm. I don't know if I would say I was ready to give up, but many times I'm like, man, this is hard. Mm. This is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And if I didn't have the core conviction that I was called to do this, I have to do this. Um, even when it wasn't fun because mm-hmm. it hasn't been fun every step of the way. There's definitely mm. been seasons where it's been unfun. So passion does not necessarily equal fun. Passion doesn't necessarily – no, no, absolutely not mm. because, I mean, if if you just stop being passionate, well, then what are you going to do? Go and yeah. do something else that you're passionate about. So I think being passionate about elements and fostering, making something fun that you get yeah. passionate about yeah, 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 yeah. in the process. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so how do I shape this? How do I build this where I, I actually like being here? Mm-hmm. You know, there's many ways to build an org. There's many ways to build a church, okay? But am I building it in such a way that I like being there? Mm-hmm. And so I really, I, I, one of the convictions early on, and we talked about this, was uh, we don't have to grow a church everyone else likes. Yep. We have to grow a church we like. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one of the pressures when you're building a church in the early stages is, man, what do people like? Let's just build that so they come because we need sustainability. But at the end of the day, if I don't like it and I don't want to come and I don't like the people here, well, what's the use of that? If it's not fun, I'm not coming. Because I knew that was our saying. If it's not fun, I'm not coming and I'm the pastor. So better make it fun. (laughs) Better make it fun. (laughs) But, but, you know, I, I knew people, I knew pastors that didn't even like their own church. Oh, wow. And I felt so deeply sorry for them that it was like, man, I gotta bear with these people. Yeah. And they every time persevere. you'd meet them in a green room, they'd be talking about how terrible they're people, how annoying they are. And I just I had zero respect for that guy. Cause mm. I'm like, man, you built that. <laughs> that's, that's you, you built that. You're saying you don't like yourself. Yeah. But, <laughs> but what it is is they negotiated on what they wanted because they were building what they thought people wanted. Mm. Instead of building what they felt, nice. hey, this is who we're going to be, even if nobody likes it. Mm-hmm. So, wow. not to you know surface any trauma, okay? Uh, <laughs> but transport yourself to maybe one of those moments where you're like, man, this is hard. This is hard. What do you do in those moments? Like, what's mm. your mechanisms? You know, I think it's it's varying on <clears throat> on the situation that's hard, mm-hmm. right? Um, is it public pressure? Mm. Is it perception? Um, you know, is it media that is being, you know, falsely propagated against you? Yeah. Uh, those, those kinds of things that, you know, they're, they're different mechanisms for those seasons. Some seasons you have to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of go back and if at least what gets you through is to know that I'm building with integrity, they're lying. Right. Okay. Yeah. If there was truth to the claims, then you That's would just guilt yeah. and you'd be stressful because you feel like you're covering up. So if you're continuing to build with integrity and you can go to the Lord and go, God, you deal with them yep. because they're lying There's about a lot me. Of peace in that. Yeah. And that's what the Psalms are. A lot of the Psalms are like, they're totally. making lies up about me. You know, they're, they're saying false things. Mm-hmm. God, take care of them. Uh, in other seasons, it's not that. It's more just like, I think I, I you, the question of, am I the guy to take mm-hmm. it further? Mm-hmm. That's the real mm. challenging moment when you feel like you've built it to here. And yet you've hit a wall, maybe a growth wall, mm. a growth barrier. Seems that what you do isn't working like it used to work. Mm-hmm. And then you're Ooh, wondering, like, wow. am I the guy to take it forward? Because yeah. wow. you, especially with a, 
if you're building something right, you've got such a deep love for it that you actually want it to win even beyond you. Mm. Mm. And so sometimes you'll be confronted with, I want this to win and work so much that if there was someone better to do this, I'd let them do it. I want to stay on this point because I think that might be wow. what's stopping people from even getting into the innovation space. Okay. They might not be, I have an idea, but I might not be the guy to take it that space. How yeah. do you kind of break that barrier? Yeah, I think what you've, I think it's not a bad place to be as long as you reconcile that, well, maybe that means I am the best person to build it then. Mm. Mm-hmm. Meaning that I, I really feel like I've got to be the person to actually start taking it as so. So my my reconcile or the reconciliation in each of those seasons, because there's been many, mm-hmm. was well, let me keep taking it as far as I can, Ooh, and and I don't have to take it all the way, but I take it as far as I can. Mm-hmm. As soon as I make that resolve, so I find that I take it further, mm-hmm. and I find that I can take it further. What it is is I'm dealing with my own vision. I'm, I'm dealing with the disparity between where I am and where I see us going and I don't know how to get there. Mm. I have the vision for it, but I just don't have the know-how to get there. So if it's too intimidating, the gap between where I am and where I see us going, can I just take it part of the way? Mm-hmm. But each and every step, I'm getting a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. And so the gap is reducing and I actually realize, well, I've brought this far. Let's just keep going. Yeah, that's so interesting because, you know, in distance running, right, uh, we've dabbled in that a little bit. If you're training for something, for example, or if you're trying to get to certain distances, it's always interesting when you're pushing yourself that there's actually a lot more in you than you thought. Yeah. Like th- that time where you're like, no, no, I'm, I'm giving up. Like I've done a half Iron Man and it's like there's been multiple times within that race. I'm like, I'm giving up. I'm mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I'm done. But then you finish the race and you're like, oh, I did it. <laughs> there was more in me. Right. You know? Well, it's I mean measure markers, right? When you're running a, a, a marathon, you're, you're not uh, thinking how many miles to the end. You're thinking, can I get to the next mile? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I get to that next marker? So and good. you have to then get to a point where you're visually identifying a marker yes. and you go, I'm running to that corner. Mm-hmm. Then when you get to that corner, you extend it a little bit mm-hmm. more and then you just keep moving it just marginal so I can see, I might not see the end, the finish line, but I'm seeing the next marker mm-hmm. and I got to get it to that point. Yeah, I think there's something in that, right? Uh, because going back to the matrix, these social constructs, I think something when I, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I grew up, I just felt like everybody was saying it's all about retirement. Yeah. yeah. And for some reason I had a picture of like just in the Bahamas <laughs> without a shirt on and just <laughs> laying down there for the next 30 years till I die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, you learn a little bit more about life and you're like, oh, that actually doesn't sound awesome. Yeah. Like that sounds awesome for a week. Yeah. But Oh, know, I that. used to read, uh, I, I made Kira read a book, Retire Young, Retire Rich mm. by, uh, is it Robert Kiyosaki? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, made, I made her read it because I was so ignited. Hey, babe, we're going to retire at 30 <laughs> and we're brand new married. We were youth pastors at the time I had a, a business an electrical business and so uh, you know I was convinced man if we play our cards right man we're gonna retire at 30 well you know God had a different plan mm-hmm. <laughs> and so but the principles were true mm-hmm. that we learned from that book and I would highly recommend that book not from the idea of retirement but from how to actually create and generate wealth out of the box thinking mm. totally and, and 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 so that it can do something right mm-hmm. generationally or for a deeper purpose because I don't know if it's an American concept, a Western concept, whatever, this kind of living in Bahamas when you're 65 for the rest (laughs) of your life type of thing. But it does seem like in different cultures, for example, Japanese cultures, the process was the destination. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I just, one of my favorite documentaries of all time is Jiro, Sushi of Dreams. And it's just like this 70-year-old or whatever, I don't know exactly how old, but really old gentleman that's been doing like, this this master craft at sushi making yeah. and just gets a little bit better mm-hmm. every day and I just gets a little stuff. bit better yeah. every day and, and that, you're like wow this guy has found yeah calling yeah. <laughs> like it's incredible yeah another really cool documentary I just saw if we can just bring yeah, this into the yeah. real quick uh, is David Beckham's documentary oh, I need to watch have that. you seen I that? Need to watch that oh man I, I thoroughly enjoyed it obviously because I'm a big fan of David Beckham um, and just you know football uh, as a whole but. But what I was fascinated about through the documentary is actually how meticulous he is. Mm. He's so meticulous and it it comes up, it repeats throughout the different, uh, uh, I guess, episodes where the whoever's interviewing him comments several times about how clean the kitchen is. It looks so clean, it looks brand new. Wow. And, and, uh, and, And it evolves throughout the narrative that it's actually David Beckham, who's uber wealthy, mm-hmm. He does the house cleaning. Wow. wow. He, 
every evening he he cuts the wicks of the candles. Wow. He he scrubs the kitchen. And at the end, the last episode, I won't ruin it for you, but you know he's having this time in his like man cave out the back of his of his house. His family's there. He's cooking for them. But even and he spends a couple of hours preparing, and then they they're done. They go do their own stuff, and then he spends the next few hours literally polishing and cleaning every little piece of equipment. Wow! wow. This is someone who could just use it and then replace it, but for him, it's just about the meticulous nature of being clean, ordered, and uh, having quality. Wow! And I'm like, man, that just translated into his football, into his career mindset, into his buying, you know, a football team, fashion, advertising, marketing. This wasn't just because he was a handsome guy and he married a pop star mm-hmm. or he was a good football player. He was actually very driven throughout his career to maximize the potential. That's beautiful. Wow. I mean, the way that you do one thing is ultimately the way you do most things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so, wow, what a beautiful example. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that kind of comes out in what you build too. Like who you are comes out into the things that you build, right? No doubt. Do you see that in like your company or, your com- or the church as well? Like who you are or even the founders that you see fail, maybe it was who they were on the inside came out into the business at the turn. Oh, I don't think you can build a culture that you're not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think the culture is, you You would say this uh, first, you know, three, four years of, of Vive, Pastor Adam, you would, you know, kind of build the tension, highlight all the problems uh, that we had within our team and our church and, you know, the barriers that we're trying to break and, but then you would always pose a question like, it's on us. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, if you don't, if we don't like what we see, yeah. then it's literally a reflection of us. Mm. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. disconnect yourself from your organization mm-hmm. and go, wow, hey, that sucks. Well, then, okay, that's you. Um, <laughs> you know, and you look at the excellence of overflow, right? Uh, it, is, it is what it is because of who Vance is. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, as a founder, uh, his mindset to be generous. Mm-hmm. You can't build a generosity platform if you're not generous. Mm. All right, it's going to be true to who you are. Mm. So you couldn't just bring in a replacement uh, CEO who is stingy and it, it's just going to actually kill it because mm-hmm. it's who he is. Um, and I think what we're going to look at is when you are building a organization, it's a discipline to go, not do I want to just, what do I want to see, but who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. So good. so I've got to live that so good. for that to be the reality of what I'm building. No, that makes sense. Um, before we close out the episode, I think the last topic I kind of want to um, tie this off with is the responsibility of innovators. I think mm. um, in the faith space, we have like a different responsibility than I think you know outside of the faith space. So I kind of just wanted you guys to talk about what you think the responsibility of innovators are. Um, and, I'll, and I'll tie it to this is, I think for, for example, with, with Elon, mm-hmm. he has a lot of stuff with where he bought Twitter, he bought the user base to create a new service to do his bidding, whatever you want that bidding to be, we'll find out. But he bought that. And so how he's changing the service is for whatever his future service is going to look like. He doesn't really maybe think about the impact on all the different areas that, you know, the people that use the service are. Because these, these people are just like free marketing for him, for his future service. Mm-hmm. But for future builders that are out there that are building with kingdom principles, what are the responsibilities? Uh, re- observation I've made um, actually pretty recently is that if kingdom-minded, faith-based innovators don't rise up, most of society will continue to be discipled by HR departments of big tech. It's <laughs> amazing. And so, and so I think true. we have a massive responsibility. Yes. I, I just talk to regular, I think, well-meaning people that I would get along with and, you know, we can have a drink and we can have dinner and things like that, but they are so ideologically stained by what they can and cannot say because of the HR department at their company mm-hmm. wow. that it's influenced just the way that they live. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like that is a lot of influence. That's a lot of shaping of society mm-hmm. that I'm not going to call out specific companies and, and maybe it's not just big tech. It's it's a lot of the Fortune 500 companies, a, a good majority of them, not all of them. You know, Hopefully there's some good ones out there. But uh, I do think we have a mandate. I think we have a mandate to build successful, profitable, value-creating companies in the world so that we can have HR departments that don't have these ideological bends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I also still subscribe to the fact that it's not really innovation if, unless it's disruptive. Mm-hmm. Unless it's disruptive to some system or structure or way of thinking or way of doing, then it's not really innovating. Mm-hmm. You are just enhancing. Mm-hmm. And enhancement is not innovation. So if you're just taking, you know, the idea of somebody else built something, but I'm just taking all their thoughts and making it a little bit better, 
well, cool, you're in the enhancement category. But innovation right. is taking something and reinventing it yeah. so that it becomes disruptive. What Elon did with Twitter, he took something that was widely used, a huge user base, but with a lot of problems. If he bought Twitter just to clean it up or just to make it a bit more public, well, then that wouldn't have been innovation. Mm -hmm. But all the plans that are coming out now mm -hmm. and the payment platforms, and it is literally going to be a public square. Mm -hmm. it's, his vision was to make it a public square, not just a rhetoric you know, station. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's classic. That's true to an innovator mm -hmm. yeah. right there. Yeah, and I think, but there's there's some risk, right, when you become a of true di disruptor, right? Yeah. Um, I think of the movie Oppenheimer that yeah. came out. You kind Haven't of seen about it. Him. I want to see oh, it. Oh, I'm God, it's so it. Guys, I it's know. Incredible. I'm waiting for it to come out you on Apple this TV. Right now, you need to go watch Is, Oppenheimer. I, where do you see it? I don't Prime. know if theaters. Yeah, Prime, 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 Prime. Yeah. Prime. It's on Prime. Yeah. yeah. Let's go tonight. <laughs> but he had this. He had this internal debate, right? Like, like he had to figure out. Um, what was that line he said? I said he said I've become death, the destroyer of worlds. Right, like wow. he had all this in his mind to do this, to innovate, and then what? What did it lead to? And so that's kind of what I want to tie into. Like it's wow. it's like Icarus. You're flying so close to the sun. Innovators kind of do that, right? You fly yeah. as close as you can to the sun without getting burnt, and you might get burnt. Yeah, but that's kind of part of being a disruptor and being an innovator. Yes. But do you think there's like a difference between being a faith-based innovator, where you might not be able to fly so close to the sun? that you might incur all this risk? Or do you think it's it's okay and you can kind of, you have those principles to fall back on? I think it's probably you know. a little bit more. Mm. I think it's it's more risk mm -hmm. because I, I'm not just burning people walking away. I've got kingdom principles, mm -hmm. so I have to care about people. I have to, as a kingdom founder, I am ultimately representing God. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my values and my virtues have to be heightened. Mm -hmm. I have to have integrity at a wound up to the top degree. Okay, so I think that there is a, in my opinion, there's actually a greater uh, level of risk as a kingdom innovator. Yeah. Absolutely, I would no. agree for sure. Because there's, there's this great, um, if you haven't been to one of our hype sessions last time we did it, we had a, a pitch session. Um, and yeah. one of the uh, products that was pitched was pulpit.ai. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they brought AI and the church together. And there was a lot of stink, I think, what he was bringing up, mm -hmm. where um, people didn't want sermons to be generated via AI. Yeah. Um, right. That's right. But that do you the think debate. there's a space with church builders building proper data sets where we could do that and we could generate sermons that are tailored it, to specific It'd uses. probably be more theologically correct than some. It's tied to the Bible. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think any 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 preacher that has a library mm -hmm. of content, I think it's drawing back from that. I often look back at the thousands of sermons because I've got like a, a sermon folder. I can look back at all those sermons and I'm like, man, like so much of our church today haven't heard any of those sermons mm. that I preached mm -hmm. yeah, from true, like true. eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And they were foundational oh, like yeah. teaching that shaped us. But obviously I've got a plan on where I'm taking us, but I always, I look through the early adopters on where we're growing. That's yeah. so true. People have come in the mix. So is AI really good for being able to take my library of content yep. and then out of that create uh, more content from a, 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 an acclimation or, or accumulation of all those things yeah. and Great. produce um, some you know diversity of delivery of, mm -hmm. of product, absolutely. Nice. Now, if you're just starting out, no, mm. you need to build a library. Yeah, you need to do the work first. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, get a decade of teaching, get two decades of teaching, create a library for it to draw from. Otherwise, it's not actually drawing from you; it's just drawing from anything else just to create enough content. Mm -hmm. No, that's fantastic. Sorry, I, we can keep going. I have so many more questions this for you guys. This is so great, man. Oh, this is a great podcast. This was a great podcast. Awesome. But, uh, let's record another one. Yeah, let's do it again. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, catch you next time.